So this morning, we're going to look at something that is divisive. Something that we're told you're not supposed to discuss at the dinner table. And, and you're not supposed to combine that re with religion because then you're going to have something explosive happen. That's politics. Right? This is something we grow up seeing big arguments about. It divides like nothing else. But my question is, is the divisiveness of politics the only way for us to go about it? What does Scripture say about the way that we engage in politics? You know, the talking heads on TV seem to have set us an example. The, the radio talk show hosts seem to show us that there's only one way to engage in politics. But I believe Scripture says there's another way, a better way. So we're going to look at that starting today and over the next few weeks. Uh, throughout this brief series, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for or not to vote for. I will ask you to live as the servant of the one true king, Jesus. I, I'm not going to advocate for one specific party. Instead, I'm going to point to the Bible that advocates that we make Jesus our ultimate authority. I, I'm not even going to talk about the big issues, whatever you might think the big issues are. Instead, what I want to do is wrestle with how we engage in politics. Can we be politically active? and yet charitable toward those with whom we disagree? Can we be politically active without leaving our faith behind? Can we be politically active without making politics or a political party the savior of the world? Now, I'll admit up front, I'm not a politician. I'm no grand historian. Many of you are much more politically informed and politically engaged than I am. And so I have much to learn from all of you. But I'm coming at this from the point of view of a pastor. I want our hearts to be right with God as we engage in this political season because it is divisive like no other, it seems, that I've been through. So I'm learning, and I hope I can learn from you, and I hope you'll learn with me. Today we're going to look in Titus. It's a, it's a letter written by Paul to a young pastor named Titus. Uh, Titus preached in the, on the island of Crete, which was controlled by the Roman government at that time. And so Paul has some important words for, for the people in Crete, and he's sending them through Titus, the, the pastor there. And so we want to start in Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what Paul says. Remind the people. Now, catch that. Remind the people. This is something that Paul's already talked about with the people there. He's already talked about it with Titus. And yet it's something important enough that he needs to say it again. It's something important enough that we need to be reminded of today as well. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. So let me stop with verse 1. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Be subject to rulers and authorities. That phrase, if you take it literally in the original language, it means to continue putting yourself under the authority of those in power. 
continue to remind yourself that God has made governments in order for the good of people. Now, there are, there's no doubt. There are rulers, there, there are politicians out there who have abused the power that they have. But God has created order and government as a way to promote the welfare of the people wherever they live. And so Paul reminds the people of Crete who are struggling under the Roman government, continue to submit yourself to order, to law. And then he goes on and he says even more than that, be obedient. Be obedient. Now one author I read this week said this is very practical. It means pay your taxes Treat others fairly in the workplace. Pay them what they're due. And obey the speed limit. Have you ever thought about the speed limit as being politically active? Be obedient. I've got some work to do. I'll be honest. Be obedient. And then there's that third phrase in verse 1 that says, Be ready to do whatever is good. Be ready to do good works. This is important, that Christians recognize we have a part to play in our society. We have a part to play to continue helping our community, our state, our nation be the best place it can be for people to live and to prosper. One theologian said it this way, Be prepared and willing to participate in activities that promote the welfare of the community. Don't stand coldly aloof, but show good public spirit, proving that Christianity is a constructive force in society. The early Christians were often blamed for being divisive and against the people around them. This wasn't true, and so you have Paul reminding the people of Crete, be ready to do good works for those around you. Be ready to be obedient to the laws of the land. Now, we might ask the question, is there a limit to that? Is there a limit to how much we submit to those in power over us? What if we're called to do something that goes against God? I have two thoughts on that. One is that even if the personal conduct of a, a politician or a leader is not something that we agree with or conduct, we still need to honor the office and the laws of the land. Second thought is this. If the laws start to contradict God's word, then our, a Christian's first allegiance is to God. The Bible gives many examples of people standing up to kings, standing up to religious authorities, standing up to those in power, when they began to ask them to do things that go against what God asked them to do. Those early Christians were supposed to say, Caesar is Lord, which was a way of saying Caesar is God. That is very uh, difficult to do if you believe Jesus is the Lord. If Jesus is risen from the dead and is, holds all power, heaven and earth, it's very difficult to say Caesar is Lord. And so that's why Peter and the other apostles in Acts chapter 5 say, we must obey God rather 
than human beings. There are times when our faith comes in conflict with what we are asked to do in those moments. I pray for grace and courage to be able to stand up like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Peter and the disciples. But often, these are far and few between. When it doesn't come into conflict with God's laws, we should honor the office and the laws of the land. Verse 2. I just lost my place in the Bible. I closed it, and I should not have. I'm going to find it really quick. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 2 says this. So we're told to be political, be involved in politics, but here's how to do it. Verse 2. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Be political. But do it with love. Now, it's not going to be hard for me to convince you that we should be involved in politics. You believe that. You're involved already. But I think it's going to be mighty hard for us to be convinced to follow these words from Paul to Titus. To slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle. Those don't seem to go hand in hand with politics. Maybe we should ask ourselves, if, Paul, if Paul's words are true and right and good, maybe we should ask ourselves, what can we do to not allow our words to divide us from others, to not hurt others? James, in, in his book in the New Testament, talks about the power, uh, the, the potential for good with the tongue, but also the destructive nature of the tongue. James chapter 3, listen to these words. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. James was pretty blunt about what we can do with the way we talk about others, with the way that we use our words. In today's culture, James's warning to us about how we speak, I think, can also be applied to social media. I mean, have you ever found a place like Facebook, Twitter, or any of the other social media that can cause such hatred and fruitless debates like you can there? So I want to give you a little tool to use, something to to use when you're thinking, I'm going to talk about politics with my neighbor, or I'm going to write something on Facebook, or I'm thinking about saying this to my coworker. I want to give you a tool that can help slow us down and make sure that we are using our tongue in a way that's constructive and not destructive. So here it is. It's an acronym. It's THINK. 
I want us to stop and think before we say, post, tweet, whatever. Stop and think. Each of the letters in the word think can make us pause for a moment and just ask a question. You may want to write this down because it's helpful. It's easy. You can get it, I promise. Anybody can do this in a matter of seconds, and it can keep us from harming. So here it is. Think. First letter is T, and we, we should ask ourselves, is it true? Now, most of us aren't going to just spread false rumors or lies on purpose, but I got to tell you, it's so easy to see that graphic on the internet that has those words that put that person in just the right spotlight. And it's so easy to just say, I, I bet that's true and share. Or it's so easy to share what someone else told you. What if we just paused for a second and, and did a little fact check and made sure before we shared that thing verbally or online that it really is true? There's some great places like Snopes.com that will fact check for you very easily. You can do it within a matter of minutes and make sure that what you're saying is true. Last year sometime, I, I came across an article online and I got all fired up about it. I can't even remember what it was now, but I, I got all upset. It was something that made me mad and I posted it on Facebook and I noticed nobody liked or commented for a day. And finally, about two days later, someone I think just had pity on me and said, Basically, Dan, this was a uh, sarcastic made-up article. It wasn't real. It was like The Onion. If you're familiar with The Onion articles, they're fake news, and it was supposed to be funny. And I was all up in arms about it. I didn't take the time to fact check. I got embarrassed. It maybe misled somebody else. I don't know. What if we just stopped and asked ourselves, is this true? Let me take a second and make sure that what I'm about to post about that person, about this law, about this issue, really is true. So the first question we can ask is, is it true? Second is, is it helpful? Is this really going to help somebody if I post it, or is this just going to start a fight? Is this just going to start another rant? Somebody, are they going to throw down their napkin and walk away from the table? Or, or is this going to help us think about something in a different light? Is it going to be helpful? Is it, another question to ask, is it inspiring? This is the I and think. Is it inspiring? Is it, is it going to inspire us to be better? Is it going to inspire us to pursue something good in our community, in our state, in our nation? Is it inspiring or is it something that's going to end up causing us to hurt each other? N can stand for is it necessary do I really need to post this? Let, let me just pause for a second and ask myself, is this necessary for me to share? Is it really that important? Is this just something inconsequential that's going to stir things up? Is it necessary? And finally, you can ask yourself, is what I'm about to say, do, is what I'm about to share, is it kind? Because it can be true, helpful, it can be inspiring, it can be necessary, but I might say it or do it or share it in a way that's not kind. It can be rude, divisive. If we were to ask those five questions, is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind, we might slow down enough to find that we can be political, we can share things that are helpful in ways that don't destruct, 
but construct. John Wesley picked up on this many, many years ago, founder of Methodism. When there was an election in Britain, he, he was asked by the Methodist followers, what do we do? How do we go about this? Because elections are elections. Wherever you go, there are going to be people on any side of the issue. Here's his advice to them, and that's what he called it. He said, this is advice. He said, first, vote without fee or reward for the person they judge most worthy. So who do you think is most worthy? Vote for them. Secondly, speak no evil of the person that they voted against. Good advice for us today, too. Speak no evil of the person they voted against. John, not, not just a little bit, maybe just that one little thing. Nope, no evil, period. Don't speak evil of the person you voted against. And finally, third, take care that your spirits are not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Make sure, not only are you not speaking evil against the person you voted against, but make sure your spirit isn't sharpened towards those and that you want to hurt them with words, actions. Make sure your spirit is right with them. So we might summarize all of this by saying, so far Paul has said, be political, but don't be a jerk. Right? Now, how do we do this? Because in this nation, at least, it seems like the only way to be political is to be a jerk. That's what everybody else is doing. Yelling, screaming, talking over one another. How do we start changing the way that we do politics? Paul gives us some good advice. He says the key is humility. So, verse 3, Paul writes, At one time... We too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us so generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. How do we keep from being a jerk politically? It's remembering what Jesus has done for us. We used to be the people that now bug us. We, we used to be those who did things in an ungodly way, thought in ungodly ways, but Jesus came. And here's what Paul says. He showed us kindness, love, generosity, hope. You might want to go through and just underline those words in these verses in your Bible. It's okay to do that, by the way. Underline, write some notes. You may want to make those stand out in some way because the way Jesus treated us even though we were divided against him at one point, he treated us with love and kindness, generosity, and hope. And through that, there was a transformation in our lives. Through that, there was rebirth, renewal, a washing of our spirits so that we now can treat others, even if we don't agree with them politically, with hope, love, kindness and generosity now I can hear the objections in your minds I'm not a mind reader but 
I know that I was thinking the same thing that you probably are, but they're not going to listen, whoever they are. They aren't that party, those people, they're not going to listen to me if I'm not a jerk. Because that's the way people are communicating now. Here's the truth. When someone acts in malice or envy, as Paul says, when someone acts in anger or hatred, we're called to respond with kindness. Because if people don't listen to you when you're being kind, they're not going to listen to you when you respond in kind. In all my years, which granted may not be as long as some of you, you have more experience in this than me, but in all my years when I've watched TV shows where you've got people talking over one another and yelling at each other, when I've listened to radio shows where you've got hosts yelling at the guests on the phone and the phone people yelling at the hosts, when, when I've seen Facebook rants, that are all capital letters with lots of exclamation points at the end. In all my years, I've never seen someone at the end of that, on the receiving end of that, say, oh, you know what, you're right. I think I'm going to change. <laughs> because you don't catch flies with harshness, you catch flies with honey. Most of us already come to any discussion about politics with our mind made up. And so acting and reacting in that hatred and malice and envy that Paul talks about, that's not the way to go forward. All it does is keep us divided. Instead, kindness, generosity, hope, love, these are the things that can maybe cause another person to say, I'll think about that. Maybe, maybe you've got something there. So what Jesus has done for us should compel us to love others even when we don't agree politically. Two more verses to read. Paul continues, verse 8. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. It's trustworthy. We should be political, but do it in love. Why? Because Jesus has changed us. And if Jesus can change us, he can change the world through us. This is trustworthy saying, and, and I want to stress to you these things. Two big exclamation points there. It's trustworthy, and I want to stress this to you. This is the way you're supposed to live. Even when you're under the Roman government and you don't like it, it's not the best situation for you. Be political, but do it in love, because Jesus acted that way to you. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent, profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Paul gives a summary. Be political. Be ready to do what is good. Be ready to do what is excellent and profitable for everyone. Notice those key words there, for everyone. I don't know about you, but often when I come to think about politics, I'm thinking about it and how it's going to affect me. How is this law going to affect me? How is this person that I'm going to vote for, how are they going to affect me? But Paul says we should be viewing this through how it's going to affect everyone. Now, I'm a part of everyone, but I can't just focus on me because if I do, I exclude 
all the other people. How is this going to affect everyone? Do what is excellent and profitable for everyone. I think about how many things in our nation have been changed by people of faith driven by their religious convictions. Think about the abolition of slavery, fight for women's suffrage, child labor laws, labor laws, labor laws in general, especially for coal miners, advocacy for civil rights. All these were changed because there were Christians who said something out there is not the most excellent, good, profitable for everyone. I'm okay, but there are others out there who are suffering, who are being, uh, who are, who are under oppression in some way, and this needs to be changed. We think of people like Archbishop Desmond Tutu and and uh, Martin Luther King Jr., who went about changing dramatic things in our society and, and in other societies, but they did it in a way that did not make them like those whom they were working against. Instead. They reacted in love, kindness, hope. I have a dream. And avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments, quarrels, because they are unprofitable and useless. Titus is reminded by Paul, be political, but do it in love. Do it in kindness, generosity. Do it in hope, because there is a better future for everyone when we treat politics in this way. So let's do that. Let's see if we can engage in this political season by not acting like everyone else, but acting like Jesus, who has changed us in such a dramatic way. Will you pray with me? Jesus, your way sometimes seems strange and confusing, it seems to be powerless. How can we be heard? How can we make a difference if we don't act like everyone else? And Jesus, you didn't act like everyone else, and, and you changed everything. Jesus, we ask that you would help us to seek the welfare of our community, that we might seek to be engaged politically because we have a responsibility to give to our community and nation. But we pray we might do it like you. That we might do it with love, hope, generosity, and kindness. And if that makes us different, if that makes us a little bit more quiet, then so be it. But we pray that through it all, that, that truth, goodness, that change would happen because you're involved. And so we pray. We pray for help. We pray for wisdom. We pray for your spirit to be alive in us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.